0: Good morning, saints of our Lord, and welcome to Thy Strong Word. Thank you for tuning us in this morning on Worldwide KFUO, Christ for You Anytime, Anywhere. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Today is Thursday, July 8th, and we take a step back to pray. And how important that is, how difficult that can be at times. And we just concluded our study of Kings, Second Kings, with Pastor Ross Engel, and which ended in a very dark way. Actually, when you end the book of Kings, First and Second Kings, you're kind of like, oh man, I need a little pick-me-up, or I need to take this grief and do something with it, which is why it's important for us to sometimes pray it out. And that's our goal. And a few months ago, we decided that between a study of each book, that we would take a step back and pray. And so go to the Psalms, go Psalm 1, go to Psalm 150, 2, 149. So we don't, you know, a lot of times I go through the Psalms and then I end up not ever getting to 150 because I get lost in the process of this. So we've been doing back and forth, and today we come to Psalm 4. One of those psalms you don't necessarily always focus your attention on, but what a joy it is. David's psalm cuts us to the heart with Allah, dripping with gospel, and shows us how to pray. I'm excited to get back to it. Like I said, it is something that I'm not a great prayer. So what a great way to get back to the basics with what the Lord has already given to us. So this morning, the gifts are ready, ready for you. A special thanks to our friends at Lutheran Heritage Foundation for their, your support of Thy Strong Word. Visit LHF Missions for more information, lhfmissions.org. To help us be strengthened by God's Word, we welcome Dr. Brian Gurman, Associate Professor of Theology and Director of the Concordia Bible Institute at Concordia University in Mequon, Wisconsin. Dr. Gurman, welcome to Thy Strong Word.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Pastor. Delightful to be with you.
0: Dr. Gurman, um, this is our first time together, and we you know, we always have uh, new people listening from around the world, actually, and so I want to take this time for you to introduce yourself and your family.
1: Yeah, thanks so much. Uh, as you mentioned, I, I have the remarkable privilege of teaching at Concordia University in Mequon, Wisconsin. Um, I'm an associate professor here. I've been here for seven years now, kind of hard to believe, but that's uh, hmm. where I've been since 2014. Uh, I'm also uh, an alumnus of this same institution. Just a a quick little background would be I I did my undergrad here at Mm -hmm. this campus in Concordia, and then uh, went off to seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, And then after seminary, I uh, decided to go into some doctoral work in biblical studies with uh, an Old Testament concentration that was up in Wycliffe College in Toronto. Mm -hmm. And uh, that took me to 2014, where I received the call to come here uh, to Concordia to teach. And that's where I've been, like I said, for seven years. And uh, it's been delightful. It's, uh, it's a privilege. It's an honor. And uh, it's a wonderful school. It's a, a wonderful opportunity. I love what I do. Uh, I get to teach the Word and, uh, and share the gospel with, with primarily undergraduate students, but also uh, with the laity of the region, as I, I also direct a Bible Institute that you mentioned, mm-hmm. um, I uh, direct the Concordia Bible Institute, which is a, a servant institute of this university for many years, uh, to reach out to folks in the region and also uh, in our own wing here students, faculty, staff who want to learn more about the Bible and especially how it all points to the person and work of Christ. And so. Uh, through seminars and presentations and podcasts and and all sorts of things, I've I've uh, I've done that as well for the last seven years.
0: And I've really enjoyed listening to your podcast, Concordia Bible Institute podcast, "Christ in Every Word," and it is obviously very similar to what we're doing here on Thy Strong Word. And and it's one of the you've done much writing on Christ in the Psalms as well, which is why I'm really excited to have you on this morning and. um And why, let me start this way, since we're on the topic, why is it important that we see Christ throughout the Bible?
1: Yeah, that that, uh, Christ in every word tagline is straight out of Luther, really. He was lecturing in, uh, I think it was Romans chapter 3, and he had this great line about uh, uh, man not living on bread alone, but that every word that proceeds from the mouth of God and every word... uh, pointing to christ his person his work and christ in every word was is sort of a has become a tagline for us and uh, that's the conviction of of the bible institute that's our mission that's right at the, the kind of bread and butter of what we do uh and that is uh to point all of the scriptures to the person and work of christ who himself said all these things are are fulfilled in me uh and mm-hmm. so that's that's kind of been our focus and um and so, yeah, we're following kind of in Luther's uh, train there, but at the same time, just uh, uh, just a little more broadly in an age of biblical illiteracy to say, how do I even approach this Bible? What do I do with it? Well, relate it to Jesus, who he is and what he's <laughs> done for us. That's what we do. <laughs> let's, let's start there. Yeah.
0: And it's it's so simple, but yet so very complex. And it, right. but but it, 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 what I've what I've noticed, listening to your podcast, and obviously going through the training that that I've gone through, and as a pastor, is it opens up the Bible in so many wonderful ways. For example, we just got done with First and Second Kings, and if you read First Second Kings without Jesus being there, it's quite depressing. Um, and so if you don't see the sacrifice of Jesus being fulfilled, uh, the fulfillment of all this suffering and all these issues in the past and the suffering we deal with today, boy, it is a depressing world. So thanks be to God for what you do at Concordia Bible Institute and, and, and pastor as we, well, you know, this is the reality is that we are here to be in the word of God. So I wanted to ask you if you would begin our time and ask the Lord's blessings for us in prayer. I'd love to do so, and and, uh, for
1: that, I'll I'll use a a kind of perhaps well-known colleague or or renowned colleague for studying the Scriptures, Mm. Uh, and so we pray. Blessed Lord, you have caused all holy Scriptures to be written for our learning. Grant us now so to hear them read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest them, that we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in Christ Jesus, our Savior, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one
0: God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Reminder to our listeners, this is a live program, so you can send in any questions you may have at kfuo at kfuo.org. Send us an email, kfuo at kfuo.org. Or you may call 1-800-730-2727, 1-800-730-2727. And as you know, Dr. Gurman has done extensive study of the Holy Scriptures. He emphasizes the Old Testament in his work, and his graduate work, and what a joy to be able to bring questions for us this morning. Now, Pastor, I want to start this way, uh, that I will pray the psalm, Psalm 4. And then I'll ask you a few questions of why the Psalms are important. I wanted to get right into it and, and to really see this as an opportunity to pray. How often we get so wound up. I get, I should say it myself, we get, I get so wound up and trying to like get all the little details that I don't pray. And so I wanted to start our time, as you just did, and to pray from God's word and to read Psalm 4, this powerful part of the scripture. So we begin in Psalm 4. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than than they have with their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Pastors, we hear these words, uh, Dr. Gurman is I wanted to ask you this kind of on a personal level. We hear these psalms, and the psalms are obviously a very important part of the history of the Church, the worship, devotional, and prayer life of Christians. Why are the psalms so valuable to us as Christians? Yeah,
1: it's a great question. I think, uh, you know, they kind of take on a special role, don't they, uh, in the history of the Church, uh, you can kind of see this. I'm just reminded of this the other day. I was looking at people hand out free Bibles, and what is it? The New Testament and the Psalms, you know, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's sort of a, why is this book so so important? Uh, it is fairly unique, I guess. The first thing I would say, I guess I, you got to start with the Sunday School answer on this one. The first thing is that they do provide a unique witness to that person and work of Jesus. They show mm-hmm. us our Savior, especially his death and resurrection. I think anybody in church around Good Friday, for example, hearing about the death of Jesus, what are you going to hear? You're going to hear things like, now this happened to fulfill what was written. They divided my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, That's in the Psalms. Uh, They gave me sour wine to drink. That's in the Psalms. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's in the Psalms. And on the flip side, too, with the resurrection, read the second half of Psalm 22. You're going to see worldwide celebration after the deliverance of the one who said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You're going to see a worldwide feast after the deliverance of that same one. You're going to see offering and sacrifice and worship and praise and thanksgiving after that deliverance. And so you're going to see your Savior in these psalms uh but closely related to that and i think probably why it's just kind of uh instinctually something we lean toward and that is you're also going to see what it means to be part of the body of of christ what it means to live and move and and have our being in him um one way to describe the book of psalms has kind of been passed along the last oh five six hundred years um is that it's an anatomy of the soul. You will find yourself in there, and I would, I would mm. say you you'll learn more about yourself uh, than you knew about yourself in the Book of Psalms. Uh, mm. They interpret us more than we interpret ourselves or know ourselves, and that's part of the beauty of Scripture. Is that hey, you know what, you know, you might hear somebody. I don't know. I don't. My feelings feel a little bit different than this Psalm, or whatever the case. This is who I am at my at my core, especially think of this in, a, in an age of identity crisis. The Psalms uh, is also our life in our Savior, the Body of Christ. How to pray, for example, also comes to mind. Um, how do I pray? You mentioned this, Pastor. I don't know what to say, for example, or I don't know mm-hmm. how does that work. Well, here's a, You might say 150 pre-approved prayers for you um, <laughs> to draw. doctrinal on the to, review. Yeah, review. That, you yeah. know it's good. It, <laughs> it's stamped. It's mother-approved. Uh, kid-friendly. Everything is there, and so, um, and I think you, you know, you get a sense. I again, the why so popular? Maybe part of it is just people sense this that these are words that were originally from words of people to God have now become part of God's holy word to people. And mm-hmm. so you're gonna. I mean, how do I, I? Just I just. See myself in this, or I feel like I can really resonate with this, or this psalm really did this, and you know so on um that's a remarkable gift because it's a different kind of unique sort of discourse when it comes to God's whole word to us um and then on finally, I guess if I had to do a one more point on this why the psalms are so important, I would also say with Luther, it is a he he famously called it a little Bible mm. and I think you are also. I mean, this is the other thing too. You get people that may say, "Pastor, I don't. What do I do with the Bible? I don't know how to read the Bible. Where would I start? I mean, Genesis is the first book, but where would I? Is that how I'd start?" Or, um, you pray the Psalms, you read the Psalms, you will also learn the Bible. You'll learn the language of the Scriptures because the Psalms use the language from elsewhere in the Bible. You'll also see how Scripture interprets Scripture. You're going to see how the Psalms are drawing on passages from maybe uh, uh, the history of Israel. And then all of a sudden, um, so that's from, you know, the books of Moses. And then all of a sudden something from something a prophet said in the same Psalm uh, as kind of Scripture interpreting Scripture. You're going to learn more about the Bible by just being in the Psalms and hearing how they how they use language from elsewhere in the Scripture. So very, very valuable. We can't neglect
0: this book. I really appreciate, well, all the points are, are 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 great, very, very helpful for me, actually, as I continue on my journey of, of learning and praying the Psalter. Um, one of the, what really struck me, what you said, was to find out about yourself. I mean, you think about all the self, you go to Barnes & Noble, and there's so many self-help books, and right. I'm always one that's on that journey, you know, what, how has God made me and what, what, what's happening, but all those, many of those books, or almost all of those books kind of deny one the identity you have in Christ which is right. obviously our most important identity but also the the some of the feelings what do we do with the grief what do we do with the anger what do we do with the frustrations what do we do with the joy even and right. here it gives us straight up a way of knowing ourselves and when you read it for example like uh soon here we're going to go to Psalm 148 and it says praise the lord i mean how many, we need to learn how to praise the Lord. I mean, and it, it shows right. us right there. And today we're going to learn kind of how to pray, you know, Lord answer me. I mean, come on, let's do this. And right. and we don't really learn how to pray that way in our, in our normal culture. So to find out about ourselves, Let's just put a psalm, a book of psalms on the self help bookshelf now. I think that's just going to solve, it's going to solve a lot of those issues. That's why I'm, I'm going to do that someday at Barnes and Just Put a book of psalms on there and see if it stays for a while. Anyways, no, I'm not going <laughs> to do not look aggraded. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, second thing I wanted to ask you, uh, Dr. Gurman, is what are ways that you personally have utilized the psalms in your Christian walk?
1: Yeah, it's another um another great question. I think uh, you mention you alluded earlier this, this the presence of the psalms in the life of the church, right? You think of uh Christian worship throughout the centuries. Well, I mean even even in the synagogue um before the incarnation, you you uh you know or you can see the usage of the psalms in worship life, for example. They had a huge place in the role of of uh of god's people throughout the ages in- including uh even today and so i guess the first thing would be um the psalms continue to be a central feature in uh worship in the weekly divine service that i attend uh, i'm sure i'm guessing that this would be kind of familiar uh to some of your listeners and that is you know the the language of um uh, of the psalms, the various, place, various places in the liturgy that we're kind of used to um, creating me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew right spirit with me. O oh Lord, open my lips, my mouth will declare your praise. There are places all mm-hmm. over the place that draw from the psalms. And so I guess that's the first thing that comes to mind is that they, they continue to be a central feature in, in my, uh, my worship life. And then also um, as a pastor, as uh, one who's been called to stand in the stead and by the command I'm sure you can relate to this as well Pastor I draw on the Mm -hmm. Psalms pretty regularly for preaching, for teaching I'm more in the classroom uh, than I am in the pulpit but either way whether I'm in the pulpit or in the classroom the Psalms have been a wonderful source uh, of comfort for me as I do what I do but also as I preach what I preach and teach what I teach for pastoral care I'm in a context again university and so I have students primarily and Uh, in terms of pastoral care and consolation from God's Word uh, for the students, for colleagues, and so on. The Psalms have been a wonderful resource. And uh, again, at a a more personal level, I pray them often. Um, That kind of varies. Uh, I I like to pray, for example, at least uh, a Psalm or two every morning as a kind of, at least one as a kind of um, you might say, lens for the entire day, a kind of focus. Uh, this has been prayed, and then this is something that I want to continue to reflect upon throughout my life, throughout the day. Um, so I pray them regularly uh, in my own uh, devotional life as well.
0: I love how you said that, too. You pray them regularly, because we can get so wound up and as I said, trying to study them, that we just don't pray them. Kind of like, a, you know, we might be always teaching, but we don't, don't preach it, you know, kind of a situation when it comes to, we can fall into that as pastors, but to not just read it and go, hmm, I wonder what the background of all this is, and where sometimes we just need to pray it and to make sure that that we are using these words that God has given to us for the sake of lifting it all up in prayer. This, this is great. I, I really appreciate the background you gave and how it, it becomes such an important piece of who we are as, as Christian people and worship our everyday life and a great gift that it is even for the college setting and our young people um, to be able to, well, begin digging the riches and praying the riches that our Lord has given to us. So pastor, I want to, we have about, uh, we have a, about five or six minutes before our break. Uh, when we look at Psalm four, are there any themes or, or, or a background context that you want to highlight before we begin?
1: Yeah, that's a good kind of initial question when you're getting into a psalm of anywhere, right? And that is, okay, what's mm-hmm. what's in front of me? What's the kind of uh, scope or, yeah, theme, background? How does it kind of break down? Um, psalm 4 is an interesting case. I think you get a little bit of something for everyone here. I think one thing that happens with Psalm 4, you get these debates about kind of, is it a, how do you categorize it? It seems to be right. kind of difficult, and so is it a, is it one person lamenting but or showing trust or is it kind of a kingly thing with David and it, how is it, what strikes me about that is it's kind of hard to categorize and that intrigues me that makes me wonder if there's more than just finding out some sort of category if it's more of a um what exactly is is going on here how does it relate to maybe the other psalms um at the beginning of the book of psalms one thing what am i getting at i think one thing with psalm four is notice what happened um it begins and ends in a prayer mm-hmm. direct address to god answer me when i call o god of my righteousness but then in the middle uh as you start getting into verses two and three david here then he kind of turns to uh everybody else out there oh men O oh, people and and then has a question for humanity as it were and then it looks like as you get to the very core of the psalm he's giving counsel to others who are kind of with him in this ponder mm. in your own heart offer right sacrifice put your trust so I think one thing just out of the, the out of the gate here for you know themes or what what do we do kind of at the start of Psalm 4 is we're getting a mixture we're getting prayer we're then getting I got something to say to the people around me. Then I also right. got something to say to the people who are near and dear to me. Uh, and then I'm going to end this back where I started, and that's with prayer. And instead of maybe finding the appropriate category, I think it would be more along
0: the lines, what does this teach us about the life of faith? Mm. Mm. And you're, wow, that is well, you know, I'm going to have to change my notes here a little bit because that is exactly what is being said, and I hadn't thought about it in that way, is it does describe the Christian life because we'll have these moments where we're praying, and then we just kind of start talking.
1: You know, this is the situation.
0: This is what's going on. And then at the end, the Holy Spirit helps us to realize who God is, and then therefore I'm able to rest in His grace. I think right. that's a that's a way that, as you say, that that really wraps it together, I think, in a wonderful way. And I did see a little bit, and this is a little more uh, um, details, I guess, a, l- a number of people said that it's connected to Psalm 3 with David's fleeing of Absalom. Did right. you find anything on that? I th- it was kind of a theory that it seemed like it was used to be there, and now it's kind of not not sure. Any thoughts on that?
1: Well, I love the thing. I love this part. I'm glad you brought it up. Um, and uh and that is, you know, they argue about the historical context. So that, hey, was this when David was running? It sounds like he's kind of having a tough time. You know, it he's he's sort of sounds like persecution at some level. Is this when he's running from Absalom? Is this when he's running from Saul? And you kind of, we don't really know for sure. And right. But what I do love about what you just brought up, I love, love, love this about the beginning of the Psalms. And that is, what do you hear as you get into Psalm 1, 2, 3, 4, 5? So on the beginning of the Psalms, Well, you get in Psalm 1, meditate on the word day and night. You know, you have this day and night. By the time you get to to Psalm 3, what is it? You mentioned Psalm 3. We got this emphasis on arising, kind of early day sort of stuff. Then what's here in Psalm 4? Back to bed, evening, bed, in peace, mm-hmm. I'll lie down and sleep. What's Psalm 5? Well, we're back in the morning. In the morning, I'll prepare my sacrifice and watch. What's Psalm 6? Back in the evening. What's Psalm 7? Arise. What's Psalm 8? The moon and the stars, and on and on it goes. And I think uh. I think the significance of that is is to say that David is in this groove day and night, and that is also us. I think we need to be, like the blessed man of Psalm 1, it's a day and night, day and night, day and night. And I think in Psalm four, yeah, the connections of Psalm three, I think that's, that's the deal there is that they're meant to, this is the scripture interpreting scripture at its finest. I think Mm -hmm. even more than arguing about like, is this when David was running from Absalom? Is this when David was running from, you know, and even more than that would be what opens up when you, look at this in relationship to the Psalms that have been arranged around it, and you're going to see, oh my, a kind of every day and night we're in this rhythm, and Psalm 4 is is part of that. This is like a, a kind of like a daily routine for David, and when seen in light of Psalm 3, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, maybe as we go along after the break, I'll kind of make more references to that, but there's a lot of parallel language that's used in both Psalm 3 and Psalm 4, and I think that's intentional, I think that's, hey, hear this psalm in light of the previous psalm, and new things will open up. And I'll maybe say more about that after the break.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I I encourage our listeners, that when you are going through the the daily task of being in the Word of God, and Dr. Gurman, you've said so well that you try to begin your day in the Psalm Psalms, and 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 that's that's tough. I mean, let's just be honest. This gets difficult. We can say, I do it most of the day. It doesn't mean we do it every day. And then we can make people feel guilty. Like, I don't do it every day. And it goes back and forth. But here is a real gift, as you said, is that there are some Psalms that work real well in the morning and some right. that work really well at night. And this goes into Luther's morning and evening prayers, our understanding right. of how that all looks. And right. because I know, being a father of four, that for kids that there are times where the mornings just not going well well this is an opportunity to you know do a psalm 3 and then and then there's a time that the or psalm 5 too and 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 it's it's here's 4 where it's hard to go to bed and you're just anxious right. about something well here's your chance to do psalm 4 and so I just I, I love how you put that together and the connections that we'll see as you said scripture interpreting scripture at its finest so let's get to that on the other side of our break we are studying and praying psalm four with dr brian german and we'll be right back As we struggle to look at the world from a Lutheran perspective, there are many things that would tempt us from seeking first the kingdom of God. The May issue of The Lutheran Witness is all about this. Titled Seek First the Kingdom of God, it covers a wide range of learning how to get over our worries and fears and trust in Christ alone, to how to avoid the temptations and struggles of technology. To order your copy of The Lutheran Witness, visit cph.org witness. You can also read more on witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you look at the world from a Lutheran perspective. Hi, I'm Rahema Kavuga, Synod Relations Manager at Lutheran Church Extension Fund. As Lutherans, we strive to grow in Christ in our daily lives. Take time this summer to join us for our summer webinar series titled Growing in Christ. You'll discover how to grow strong and healthy physically, spiritually, and mentally, and finally, put it all together in how you can serve your neighbor also. Check out lcef.org webinars for more information and join us this summer. Hi, this is Todd Wilkin inviting you to join us for Issues Etc. weekday afternoons from 3 to 5. Issues Etc. is a live call-in show with a two-fold purpose. We defend and teach the truths rediscovered during the Reformation grace, faith, scripture, and Christ alone. And we challenge today's postmodern culture with its unbiblical ideology.
1: Issues, etc. Live weekday afternoons from 3 to 5 on KFUO.
0: And welcome back. We are studying Psalm 4 with Dr. Brian Gurman of Concordia University in Mequon, Wisconsin. And we you know—we have not gotten quite to the text yet. I appreciate our guest uh, patience, but there's a lot of background we wanted to touch on before we got to this point. And here's what I want to do, uh, Dr. Gurman, is I want to go through uh, a few verses at a time and to to speak about, and I, I I want to hear from you on this, is not only what is David saying here and praying, But also, how does that connect to maybe other Psalms, specifically maybe Psalm 3? So, as we go through it now, we'll dig right into the text. Reminder to our listeners we are hearing these words from the English Standard Version. And we'll start Psalm 4, a Psalm of David, verses 1 through 3. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain works and seek after lies? But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Now, Dr. Gurman, there's uh, different commentaries that I read that said the first three verses are the Lord hears. What is? What are some themes that we see in these first three verses?
1: Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think, uh, you know, the whole thing starts with... Uh, yeah, literally, in my cry, answer me, and the same word, I don't know how well this comes through in English, but the exact same word will be in chap, uh, in verse 3, my cry, uh, the Lord has heard. And so in a matter of three mm-hmm. verses, mm-hmm. it's my cry, answer, please, you might insert, and then uh, verse 3, the my cry, the Lord has indeed heard. So right in, you know, in the first three verses, answer me when I cry, and then there's this confession, the Lord has indeed heard my cry. Hmm. Um, but I might, I, you know, the Psalm 3 thing, I'm glad you brought it up. You're going to have to, you know, let me <laughs> go at that for a little bit more, I think, um, because <laughs> I, lo- I love the thing how, you know, answer me, and then You know, you might think if you just had this psalm by itself, answer me when I call, or just that verse, maybe you have that verse, you see it. uh, Well, I hope you do get that answer. Um, Well, you know, you read Psalm 3, and then it's the exact language. He has answered me from his holy hill. And so even before you get to Psalm 4, in Psalm 3 is this assurance that the Lord has indeed, past tense, completed, answered me. How? From a particular location, his holy hill, where he, uh, for example, locates his holiness, forgives sins, blesses, uh, gives out his son's body and blood, right? We can just kind of keep going on that. Um, The same holy hill that's mentioned in Psalm 2, where he has set his son. I've Mm. set my king on Zion, my holy hill My answer to, for example, the raging of the nations in Psalm 2, maybe you you looked at that. My answer to uh, the distress from here on out is in the holy hill mentioned in Psalm 3 and 2, upon which I have set my son. And so Mm -hmm. the Psalms are beautiful for this. They, They give you the cry to say, answer me. And yet also the confession to say, at the end of the day, he has indeed answered. And it's come from his from his holy hill.
0: This reminds me a little bit. I served in near Waukesha, Wisconsin for four years um, and, and began ministry oh six to 2010. And we would go to a place just north of us called the Hol- Holy Hill. Was it the Basilica of Holy Hill, I believe it
1: there was? Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I, I visited there. And this just brings to mind when I went up, went up there. You you know, you walk around, you're doing all these things. You know, as pastors, we tend to admire all the, all the uh, the the different pictures and the statues and the beauty of the architecture and everything. I remember being up there and just kind of overlooking the land and thinking, I can't help but pray right now. Right. <laughs> and, right. And that kind of reminds me of this that that when we know the Lord will answer our prayer, which we believe in faith here we get that kind of feeling of I'm going to answer, I'm going to ask for this and I can't help but pray. I'm gonna, I can't help but pray right now. And with the confidence and the full assurance that Christ does, that God does answer these prayers. And we know that because the sun has been put on the Holy Hill. I mean, this is this is phenomenal connections you just made right there. That, that Now I'm, I'm going to break down these things myself as, as you're doing this. Um, this is wonderful. So that is a confidence that we have in faith. And then in verse 2, he kind of, you know, um, he's speaking to men. He's speaking to somebody. Can you explain some of verse 2 to us?
1: Yeah, it's a, uh, I don't know. I mean, I might translate it. It's just sons of a man. So I guess you'd say just mm-hmm. people, you know, that kind of just, it's humanity. Um, um, oh, men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Um This is another one of those uh, Psalm 3 things, if you'll allow me. You just put the kibosh on it whenever you want, but I'll go do one more (laughs) Psalm 3 thing here. And that is, it's the the same language that was used in Psalm 3. So if you think, okay, David, at first, he kind of starts this with prayer, right, direct address to God, you have given me relief. And then in verse 2, it's, he seems to be talking to people around him. How long will my honor be turned into shame? that language of honor is the word for glory and it's the exact word that's used in Psalm three in reference to uh, the Lord himself, but you, O Lord, this is verse three of Psalm three, but you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, the Lord himself, my glo- David's glory, my glory, my honor is ultimately, is ultimately the Lord. And mm. so, um, how long will my glory you read this in light of psalm three the kind of affliction that david is going through uh encompasses everything that uh is involved with being uh one who uh you might say lives and moves and has his being in the lord himself it's to take hits for what he's been freely given by the Lord. For example, it's to be persecuted or afflicted or made fun of or so on to be branded as shameful for being associated with the Lord, for receiving things from the Lord, for talking about the Lord, for referencing the Lord and so on. Um, That's his glory, the Lord himself and people around him are taking that, turning it into shame you might say something like, uh, what, the glory of the cross seen by others as weakness or foolishness or shamefulness, mm-hmm. right? And then uh, also, how long will you chase after emptiness or vanity? This is another thing, Psalm 2, all the nations, all the people are chasing after a kind of emptiness, lies. Um, how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? There, He's taken hits for what he's... his. Association with the Lord, and also recognizing that the only other option in that, if you want nothing to do with the Lord, is to chase after vanity or emptiness or lies, which of course uh comes from the Father of lies hmm.
0: Hmm. so he it, it's a there's a, a sense of uh lament here as well. Would we be able to say that in verse two? He's lamenting the reality that surrounds him and the the, yeah. the running he's doing, the the shame that surrounds him. Is that kind of how we would talk about it?
1: I think so. I think it's a reminder. It's it is calling a thing what it is. You got to size up the situation around you mm-hmm. regularly for what it is. Otherwise, you might just kind of start calling it something else, right? You might start <laughs> saying what is truly shameful, right? You might Mm -hmm. start saying, uh, you know, this thing that is truly shameful, um, you know what? Maybe it's something to be proud of, right? That kind Mm -hmm. of thing. Now, okay, right? Now, if you're not getting this, again, from the Psalms daily reminder, wait a minute, Um, honor, glory of the Lord being turned into shame, you know, things that are honorable and shameful being flipped Woe to those who call good evil, evil good, you know, that kind of thing that's kind of flipping around. You might you might get pulled into that a little bit. You might get well, maybe you know, if you look at it from a different lens, not from scripture or the Psalms, you might look at it in a different way. But David here in verse two, I think he sizes it up. I think he he hmm. takes a look at it and calls the thing what it is. I think um he looks at the situation and he says, This is a comes from a love of vanity, and, uh, and attack on the truth, again, lies, right? Um, Yeah, that's what it is. And it's it's important to, to speak of it in that way, I think.
0: That's, that's great. And, and as we look at this verse three, I, I felt like was a uh, I don't know to say gospel handles the right word, but definitely something that points us to our identity in Christ. But the you, but know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. This a set apartness is a very important Christian theme. Any thoughts on that?
1: Love the language. Um, you know, to be set apart reminds me of this verb, too. I'm looking at this verb, it's a really rich verb that's used in exodus several times for setting apart his own people you know you remember like the plagues where it's here's israel and he here's egypt i've set i will set apart a place from you you guys are constantly being set apart set apart set apart um moses will kind of plead about this too is it not in your going with us that we are set apart from every other nation you know under the sun and so on um so to be set apart is to you know to have this this yeah very special relationship um it's to be in a very uh secure position in the midst of <laughs> everything that looks like the opposite appearances when you look around know that the lord has set apart the godly for himself um it's important to keep in mind as christians i think the language of the godly is is quite rich too elsewhere in the psalms you're going to hear laments like the godly is gone psalm 12 save o lord for the godly is gone doesn't seem to be any godliness going on right now and yet david confesses that in the midst of whatever is going on no matter how many empty pews you see or the things on the six o'clock news the lord has his flock not even the gates of hell will prevail against it that church mm-hmm. will endure and uh, he has set apart them for himself
0: so as we look at this i think we probably have to move on just cuz it sure. based on time but we're sure. definitely verses 1 through 3 i mean you could pray this over and over oh, yeah. of the assurance of one we can ask the lord because this is small catechism language, you know, uh, we pray this even though we know it. uh, We pray it because God's called us to, basically. And then it gets to the point of our reality. You know, this is what's around me, but I know that I'm set apart in Christ, as we know, and the Lord hears me. And so that just gives us full confidence of when we pray. So we have to move on, though. Let's go to verses four and five. Be angry and do not sin ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the lord this section i saw was highlighted as trust the lord what are, what are some themes we have in these two verses
1: yeah i think that's i think that's good um Here, David is, again, you know, be angry might cause us to be a little, wait a minute, isn't it, do Christians get angry, or how does that, I mean, is is Mm. anger a sin, and, you know, that kind of thing? Um, You notice, I mean, a part of calling a thing for what it is, is to get fired up about um, what lies can do, and, I mean, this is, again— when you see the way, uh, I mentioned the father of lies earlier, you think about the way that the father of lies has affected, for example, your family or your friendships or your society or your government or whatever the case. I mean, that should, that should get you fired up a little bit. Uh, the language here that's used is the same sort of language that, uh, is used when the Lord gets angry. Um, there's something that's reflected in the Lord's people um, as well. The language of like, um, what's the, in English we have be angry. Literally, it's like a quaking. It's like when the earth quakes and shakes, (laughs) like there's a sort of like agitation Mm -hmm. that happens. Well, like like Psalm 18 would be an example. If you want to take a look at that some other time, like Psalm 18, everything's quaking and shaking because the Lord's, upset sin affects him he takes it seriously and so on he is not apathetic toward evil for example and so that's also going to be reflected in those who who bear his image so david confesses that be angry reflect the lord's nature and character toward evil and sin and yet of course don't Sin, be angry and do not sin. This is also quoted in Ephesians 2, by the mm-hmm. way, isn't it, Ephesians mm-hmm. 4. Um, instead, ponder or speak, literally, speak in your heart on your beds and be silent. Uh, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. Be still, wait for the Lord. Elsewhere in the Psalms, this language of being silent or still Um, for God alone O my soul, wait in silence. My hope comes from him. I've calmed and and silenced my soul like a weaned child, Psalm 131. We have this kind of wait patiently, be still, don't fret over uh, the man who carries out evil devices and so on. Instead, offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. These right sacrifices, this is the language of of the things that flow from receiving the gifts of the Lord, right? Sacrifices. Uh, you might think fruits of the spirit to, um, mm-hmm. love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, offer the kinds of stuff that's been freely received by the Lord's sacrifice for you. And then, um, you know, do what is your calling, what's in front of you. um, The Lord has brought you to this place at this time in the way that he has to do what he's given you to do. So extend to others the talents, the abilities, the love that has first been given to you and trust in the Lord to work through that as he sees fit.
0: This reminds me a little bit of the movie by Mr. Rogers, A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood. Yeah. <laughs> if I can go this route, is they were talking to Mr. Rogers and they're kind of like, well, he's never mad. He's never angry. And <laughs> and his wife and him are like, no, he has a very terrible temper, actually. And, <laughs> and it just has those moments where he specifically talks about prayer Okay, and I think that's really what's being pointed here is be angry and do not sin. And then he would go to the piano and play like all these low notes to kind of take out those frustrations. Now, right. I'm not, this is not a one to one. I'm not trying to make a one to one, but it does sure. give us this understanding of anger will come. You know, these things right. will come. Ponder in your own hearts and and be silent. And how you said, be like God and 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 break this down in a way. Uh, that that is, is is good and and offering right sacrifices and once is put your trust that was very clear in that movie as as Mr Rogers was a Christian man, um but just a reminder for us too, those are the moments we need to be reminded. And this is why you this is why you pray the psalms because it says right there. Okay, we can trust in the Lord; He hears right. our prayers and He answers those prayers. So thoughts on right. last thoughts on verse four or five.
1: Yeah, I think uh, that's all well said. I think. You know, it's you. it'd be hard to read the Bible and not see God's people get fired up every now and then. I'm thinking of, <laughs> you know, Moses being upset with God and Elijah mm-hmm. and Jeremiah, and you want to see anger on, like, high octane, like 93 level, it, anger would be Job, I think. You yeah. read Job 29, 30, 31, I mean, that's those are some people fired up, and yet at the same time, you ask, okay, what... Yeah, I guess one other example comes to mind is our Lord himself. You read Mark three. He's he's he gets angry at hardness of heart. Now, let's think about that. I mean, these are the sorts of things that, again, the Psalms will show, as you pointed out, you're going to get fired up over um, persecution, animosity, hatred toward the things of the Lord it's just going to go hand in hand with with uh receiving from him the wonderful gifts that he that he gives. And so yeah, I think you said it said it well. I'm a big fan of Mr. Rogers too, by the way.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just wonderful I actually watch a movie and then go watch some of the old episodes I'm like, "Wow, that makes more sense now." Um of of his of his focus. But but it comes down to simple uh realities and verses 4 and 5 are just they're simple, but yet it's so complex, and uh, to me, it was so comforting to be able to read those, is to ponder in our hearts, to offer right sacrifices, as you said, and to put your trust in the Lord. That's that's really what our, our cry should be every day. I'm going to trust the Lord today um, as we arise and as we go to bed, as we'll find out at the end. Um, right. here, here's what we're going to do. We have about seven minutes left, Pastor. I'm going to read the rest of our time and catch some of the themes, and I really want to hit on verse 8 and what this means sure. for us.
1: Sure. So verses six
0: through eight. There are many who say, Who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have than they have when their grain and wine abound. In peace I will both lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. Here we we saw a a number of themes. One of them that I found was joy from the Lord and joy and peace from the Lord as a highlight of these last three verses. What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, that's good. I like the language of of joy and peace. Um, This, you know, just looking at the other language that's used around it, lifting up the light of your face. Um, the reference to peace, we had right sacrifices as well. This is all very liturgical kind of stuff. You may be heard in there, uh, some familiar language. Um, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord, make his face shine upon us and be gracious. Mm. Lord lift up his countenance and give you peace. As I look at these vocabulary words, there's quite a bit here that reflects the benediction that may be pretty familiar to us and, and to your listeners. Um, you know, and that in conjunction with the sacrifices mentioned earlier, which is, okay, where do you offer the sacrifices at the Lord's holy place and so on? This is, this is a reminder to ground us in a particular location, a particular place. Uh, this is David saying, let's look at the situation in light of what our Lord gives us uh, in his gifts received in the divine service, the blessing, the sacrifice that we receive and so on. Um, he wants to go to church in the midst of it all uh, and look at the situation in light of the gifts of the Lord that, that come there. Uh, so I do like the – just the, on the language of lift up your face and peace and so mm. on, there is a – keep whatever it is that's going on, it must in some way be connected to and seen through the lens of, of uh, what our Lord does for us there in his, in his divine service.
0: In verse seven, it says, "You put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abound." Speaking of they, obviously they've had their fill; like they are there's no need for food, so forth. But yet, I have more joy in my heart. It puts me a little bit into this Absalom, you know, he's he's fleeing type of language. Um, That is kind of what I first thought about, but it it brings this understanding of joy that we see with Paul in prison. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say, rejoice and 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 the, the, what are your thoughts on that the joy that he speaks of
1: yeah the joy is a great i probably could have said this with the other thought about the divine service stuff but when you look at the references to joy elsewhere in the book of psalms um you're going to see the joy that comes from being in the presence of the lord in your presence there is fullness of joy you might be joyful Uh, You mentioned, you know, at the birth of a child, you have four, I also have four. Um, What a joyful occasion. And yet, when you, again, in your presence, uh, or you make him glad with the joy of your presence, I'll go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, the highest joy, the fullness of joy is being in the presence of the Lord. Um, Mm. And so there's there's reference also to joy about uh, the joy that we hear from the Lord, the joy that We've been clothed in joy. I think Psalm thirty has that. We've been even yeah. clothed in joy. So wow. kind of you know, that's a that's a very rich grounded kind of things of the Lord, presence of the Lord. You know, that's the fullness of of our joy. And that's what David confesses. Again, no matter how bad it is, that's what David confesses with that with that joy. More joy than and then when grain and wine about it, again, this is another one of these I love I don't think anybody would have missed it. I think he know I think David is uh smart cookie, but I suppose inspiration by a spirit <laughs> doesn't <laughs> hurt any. Um, joy, the grain and wine, these are the things you'd bring to the temple. I mean, tithing and, and this kind of, the, the first fruits elsewhere in the Bible, Deuteronomy especially, the tithe of your grain, the tithe of your wine. You know, We love the, you know, the feasts, I guess. We like to have these nice dinners with whatever, fancy breads and, and bring out mm-hmm. the wine and all these things, but, David uses the language to refer to like, maybe, you know, you're eating high on the hog or whatever the expression is. And yet at the same time, he uses the terms that would also be, these are very liturgical offerings as well. The things that you'd see in the divine service again. And so it, he's he's speaking of the joy that comes from being in the presence of the Lord and for receiving the the good gifts of the Lord. And of course, I mean, think about that also, grain and wine, right? <laughs> you know, we've mm-hmm. got... We've got a grain that's in, with, and under his son's body, and a wine that's in, with, and under his son's blood. Wow. Wow.
0: And there is joy. We have about three minutes left here, Dr. Gurman. At the very end, he speaks about peace, to lie down and sleep. And I think about this quite a bit with my children and myself. There's nights where you just can't sleep. What is he saying about this peace that we have with the Lord, that we can lay our, our, our heads to the bed or to our pillow and rest in in peace.
1: It's great stuff, uh, very comforting, as you alluded to. We will have things in this life uh, that keep us up at night, right? Um, and yet, at the same time, we have a peace that that passes, that transcends whatever it is that our that our anxiety or depression or whatever is doing to us. We have a peace uh, that comes from the Lord himself. that passes understanding, as we, as we usually say. And that's because that peace ultimately from um, the one who lay down and slept in the tomb and rose again um, for our salvation. And so this is another one of these, Psalm 3, the same language of lying down and sleep is in Psalm 3. I lay down and slept, I woke again the Lord sustain me. Um, and so in that sleep, even if this happens to be our last sleep, I will wake again. I will rise again. And that's a piece that transcends anything that this world has to, to throw at us.
0: So we have about a minute left here. Dr. Gurman, how would you summarize this wonderful psalm?
1: It's a beaut, isn't it? Uh, psalm 4... Yeah, I love this thing. It's, it's um, I would say a kind of, I called it once a daily David. Like this is kind of the, I would summarize this as a kind of daily routine for the life of faith. That we first start by remembering God is our righteousness. We remember he's given us relief in our baptism and so on. He has accomplished our salvation. Then we go about through our day, sizing it up for what it is. We offer comfort to one another because of what we've received. And then at the end of the day, we kind of end the way we started, and that is in conversation with the Lord, confessing what he's done for us and the peace that that we have in him.
0: Dr. Brian Gurman, Associate Professor of Theology at Concordia University in Mequon, Wisconsin, given us God's strong, joyful, and peaceful word from Psalm 4. Dr. Gurman, thank you for being our guest.
1: I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. Thanks so much for the honor to, to be with you today.
0: Saints of our Lord, we ask the Lord to answer, and He does. He gives us the strength to live holy lives, and we ask for Him to light His face upon us, and He does. All this we pray and the Lord gives us his peace when we our head hits the pillow and that peace is from Christ so we can lie down and rest. My encouragement to you, our listeners, pray this psalm tonight before you go to bed and rest in his peace. I'm your host, Brady Finner, and pastor of Messiah Lutheran Church in Sartell, Minnesota. Thank you for joining us and the Lord keep you safe in the palm of his hands.